Hey there, Aligned You listeners. This is Dr. M here and welcome to our Aligned and Thriving season and series of interviews. I am super pumped to be sharing a series of stories and interviews with some amazing humans, people, some who I've admired from a distance for a long period of time, others who I know personally and call dear, dear friends and feel very privileged to do so. This series is designed to actually dive deeper into what allows them to truly live an aligned you and aligned you life and to be thriving, whether that's in their work life, their home life, or their play life. And working out truly, is there common themes or is everyone different? And we really do all reach our full potential in our own unique way. I'm your host, Dr. M, and you're listening to Aligned You, a podcast designed to assist you to truly be aligned through your body, head, and heart so you can reach your full potential in your own unique way. Hey there, Aligned You listeners, Dr. M here, and welcome to our next edition of our Aligned and Thriving interview series. I'm so excited to be interviewing our very special guest today. When I think of a person that I admire that is truly aligned, this enigmatic game changer comes to mind straight away. Our guest today is the amazing Pauline Nguyen. Pauline Nguyen is an award-winning author, highly sought-after international speaker, and one of the most grounded spiritual entrepreneurs around the globe, according to the Huffington Post. Pauline is one of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs, but with a difference. She's a sought-after international speaker, best-selling author, award-winning businesswoman, and her achievements are all more impressive, all the more impressive, for having escaped Vietnam on a boat and survived a Thai refugee camp. She has overcome these adverse beginnings to transform her approach to success by re-engineering her beliefs, questioning the status quo and hacking cultural norms. Pauline is an original rare bird, one of Australia's top 50 influential female entrepreneurs and is included in Blackwell and Hobday's global recognition of 200 women who will change the way you see the world. Following on from her success from her first book, The Secrets of the Red Lantern, Pauline has penned a new book, The Way of the Spiritual Entrepreneur, The Seven Secrets to Becoming Fearless, Stress-Free and Unshakable in Business and in Life. Through direct experience, she knows that happiness alone won't solve our business problems. To be fearless, stress-free and unshakable are more powerful traits. Pauline's unique life experiences have given her a distinctive insight into the minds of individuals and businesses alike and allowing her to pass on the invaluable skills of self-mastery, courage, resilience, and grit. And as Pauline says, if we can learn the tools of self-mastery, we can better practice the art of influence with others. I am so excited to have her on as a guest of Aligned You. And I'm very, very blessed that not only do I have her as a guest today, but I also get to call P, a very, very, very dear friend of mine, a mentor, and we also collaborate on our Ziva Life Collective Retreat. Welcome to Aligned You, P. Thanks so much for coming on today. Hello, Dr. M. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on the evolution to Aligned You, Doc. Oh, thank um, you, P. You've definitely been on the entire journey with me. <laughs> it's been an absolute joy to witness your transformation over the years, and it has been uh, an evolution and a transformation. Um, well done. It's been my joy to witness it. Thank you so much, P, and thank you so much for all of uh, the the love, support, and uh, the very regular truth bombs that you have served me along the way to help me stay aligned <laughs> in that journey as well. 
Oh, with love, with love. Oh, 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 I absolutely know it's with love. So I'm so excited to have you on today because whilst I have interviewed you before in my, my previous podcast, Be the Queen of Your Stress, we were talking about very different things. Today I want to talk more about you and the premise of this interview series is all about figuring out how people that I certainly consider to be hugely and wildly successful, how they actually stay aligned in spirit, in joy and on purpose when it comes to their, their work life and play. Um, so I'm so excited to get your insights onto that, into that, I should say, because as I said in the introduction, when I think of somebody who is aligned in all of those areas uh, and who is not afraid to uh, break through the status quo and shake it up a little bit, you, of course, were the first person that came to mind. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you might. <laughs> So at the time of this recording, it's a really, I'm going to call it an interesting time in, in our, literally in our planet's history where we're, we're coming out in Australia, the other side of lockdown or restrictions when it comes to COVID-19. And I think at some point to, out of today's interview, we'll certainly discuss the impact of that, that particular challenge uh, in terms of how it's perhaps impacted GP. Did you want to get that inf- elephant out of the room first or shall we talk about uh, other things? Why, why don't you lead? However you feel. Okay, cool. Well, I would, uh, let's get that out of the way straight away. How has the last eight weeks or so of the world going a little bit uh, crazy and mad, how has that impacted you and how have you stayed aligned through that period? Uh, We knew it was coming, right? You and I. Um, With the work that we do with our spiritual entrepreneur in a circle and I remember uh, last October or November, I spoke with the elders and, and they told me to prepare myself and prepare uh, my groups, my inner circles for what's to come. And we were told that come March, 1st of March, um, with uh, Pluto and Saturn meeting, that it's going to be huge, that it's going to be massive. We didn't know it was going to be called covid <laughs> but we were we prepared and so I prepared myself and my groups and, and, and with our spiritual entrepreneur in a circle and we did the ceremony and we cleaned our house and uh, dotted our I's and crossed our T's and uh, we prepared ourselves not only in this three-week D world but also uh, in the spiritual world and other dimensions and boy did it happen exactly on time hey it sure did. And uh, I know, uh, and Aligned you listeners would have heard me talking about the closing of a chapter down the South Coast for me. And geez, it was tight. <laughs> it was yeah. really tight. I knew that I wanted to make sure it was done by the end of February. As it, as it happened, it clicked into a couple of weeks in March and uh, mm. very, uh, very blessed to have that all finish off before it, uh, it all really sort of hit us. Yeah. Now, sorry, P, what were you going to say? Well, it, it, it's it's the preparation. It's also, um, you know, the experience of, of this COVID time. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a speaker. I, I travel the world and I speak. Events were the first things to go, mm. <laughs> right? So speaking gigs, zero. Uh, and I have a restaurant. It's the most awarded Vietnamese restaurant in the world. Restaurants were the next to go. <laughs> restaurant income, zero, right? Yeah. And so uh, we, ha- we have a choice. We have a choice. Um, uh, and like so many people, you know, we aren't going to go into fetal position. It's mm. what am I going to do about it now? What am I going to, and, and literally, you know, all our followers, our, our customers, our, our, um, our guests, they're all watching. 
they're all watching us. And what do leaders do? They go first. And we pivoted overnight, literally overnight. There was, we had, we, we have two choices. We either go into fetal position, sit on our hands, wait for it to be over or, or say, we say, fuck this, what am I going to do now? And so, um, I turned everything online straight away with, uh, the, the speaking, the teaching, the online courses, and that, happened very, very fast. And likewise with the restaurant, you know, a full service dining restaurant, we have no choice but to go um, takeaway and delivery. But we're having so much fun along the way. You know, we tell our team members, hey, create content. And the content that's come out is just so funny, right? So funny. It's bloody it's, hysterical. It's beyond, beyond. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't make that shit up. <laughs> you just couldn't make that shit up, man. And we just crack up every time. You know, we give them free rate and it's like, how did you, how did you come up with this? You know, these um, high production value videos with just so funny. Anyway, so it's a big question when, when something like this happens is what does my life already demonstrate? You know, my life has already demonstrated that I've done some freaking hard things and you can't get used to doing hard things until you get used to doing hard things, right? And so my life experience, all the things that I've stepped up to, that was my training. And so when something like COVID hits, it's like, okay, I'm not necessarily saying bring it on. I'm saying, what the hell am I going to do now? Rather than going, how can I survive this? It's no, 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 no. How will I do things differently now in these very different times? Because these are unprecedented times. Or shocking, yes, sudden, yes. Um, or they're surprised, yes, but they're not unprecedented. Like, you know, bad stuff's happened before. It's happened before. Okay, so when uh, bad stuff's happened before, what did I do before? What did my life already demonstrate? Uh, okay, I can do that again. And so we have a choice, you know, what is the benefit in this? How, how will I do things differently in different times? And then we transcend the whole situation. Transcendence means we can see both sides of the story. And the, the, the absolute transcendence above that is to say, whoa, man, this is like, wow, this is now a global reset, mm. global reset. It, not only is it a global reset, this is now my opportunity for a business reset, for a personal reset, because this contrast will inspire a new desire. We get to choose again. This contrast will inspire a new desire. We are now all at square one. We are all at square one. It's now leveled, right? Square one gets us to take a really good look at ourselves and redefine what it means to be humans, navigating relationships with ourselves as well as with other humans. And we can't not, we cannot afford to not know this. We cannot afford to not know this, that there is a bigger picture at play here. It's a global reset, a business reset and a personal reset because this contrast will inspire a new desire. What new thing will you desire? I love that, P. And um, I love that we're getting to share this on today's podcast because I get to see this live in terms of how you pivoted. We literally, you and I and a couple of our inner circle friends were at the last dinner service at Red Lantern, literally the evening that the announcement came that you were shutting, having to be shut down that following day at midday. Yeah. Um, and the, and watching and, and being inspired by the pivot that you and your family had to take around your business yeah. uh, and on a personal level, like it just was, it was phenomenal. And I know that the people that that we hang out with, we all look at it as that opportunity to reset. 
um, sure, there's been days I'll speak from my personal experience where I was ready to rock in the corner, but that doesn't serve me Mm. and get on with things and figure out what's coming next. I love it. Tell me a little bit more, if you're happy to share a little bit more about how did your childhood prepare you for some of these the, the unprecedented times that we're now facing, how did your, your childhood actually prepare you for that? Well, uh, for the listeners who, who don't know, I uh, am a boat person. Um, after the Vietnam War, my father built a boat with his mates and literally escaped in the middle of Saigon, not at the uh, dark of night, in the middle of the day, in the middle of Saigon, we dressed as fishermen, uh, three parents, uh, I mean, three sets of parents, six children, so 12 people all together, uh, left the middle of Saigon dressed as fishermen um, so that it was uh, not so conspicuous, right? Um, and so uh, we spent nine days out at sea, uh, ended up uh, spending a whole year in a Thai refugee camp and then came to Australia with absolutely nothing, Ab- no money, no home, no uh, didn't know the laws, the language. And so my fa- watching my father start again, start again, uh, coming to a new country with two young children. I was three. Uh, by the time we got to Australia, I was four. My brother Lewis was three. Um, my brother Luke was a newborn. He was born in the refugee camp. And so th- my childhood was my training, <laughs> right? Um, growing up, my father suffered terribly from PTSD. Um, he was, it was, the trauma was handed down to him by his uh, parents, his fathers and his grandfather, who we were all freedom fighters. I come from a long history of freedom fighters. And so, um, come, you know, we, we're, we're fighters. And he had all this anger in him and he had nowhere to dump it. So he dumped it on my mother and soon he dumped his anger on us kids. So growing up was very violent, um, mental abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. Um, it was very unfair and affectionless. And uh, growing up, there was so much violence. So you reckon this is bad? <laughs> I know what fear smells like. You know? <laughs> and, and so um, that was my training, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We get to choose how we want to see it um, mm-hmm. rather than framing it that my childhood was shit and now I'm a victim and I'm going to hold on to this victim story for dear life and make excuses as to I'm this way because of this or I'm this way because of that. No, I've chosen to think again. I've chosen to reframe it again. I choose to see my childhood as my training. Much more powerful, much more powerful choice. We all have a choice because pain is inevitable. Life is pain. Pain is life. But suffering, suffering's the choice. And so to to answer your other question, how did my childhood prepare? I, I, I started working when I was seven. Um, my parents were quite the entrepreneurs, or more so my father. Um, we had a video library, a restaurant, a cafe, an ice cream parlor. Uh, he also had a uh, driving school on the side. They, While they were at work, I practically raised my brothers on my own. And on top of this, we had to get good grades as well. Otherwise, we, we literally had the shit beaten out of us. So mm. uh, I also have this ferocious work ethic. Um, that's what my childhood prepared me for. Um, I, I also strive for mastery, watching my parents master bit by bit by bit the recipes which they thought that were already perfect, but no, let's perfect it some more, some more. Uh, when it, If it came to pho, the beef noodle soup or the um, the batter of the chicken wings or they're the... Good. Uh, they're good, right? <laughs> um, or the batter <laughs> of... They've, the... they've kept me going through COVID. <laughs> 
They are so good. Or the batter of the, the chili salted squid or even the batter uh, that was needed for the waffle cones on the, when we were selling ice cream. You know, how can they master some more of the fresh fruit ice cream? Actually, this cappuccino isn't masterful enough or this iced coffee is There was always mastery. Uh, around, which is why I strive for mastery now. And then, of course, uh, the hard work. My parents didn't experience joy. They didn't know how to experience joy. All they knew was work, 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 work. And then also with the violence associated with growing up, you know, it's taught me grit, courage, resilience. Um, it's taught me the ability to understand the benefits of delayed gratification. Mm. Um, it's given me a huge amount of pain tolerance right? And also um, a growth mindset. Um, my parents were always learning. Um, it was never good enough. Um, let's, let's learn some more. And so they, they, took, they, they sent me to ice cream making school. They sent me to, you know, cooking classes in, in the city when I was like, you know, 10 years old, you know, it, all this stuff was literally bitten into us, right? Uh, but that's how it prepared me for um, uh, what I do today. Was there a turning point, P, where you actually did reframe that in terms of it being your training? Was that a way you always thought about it as you were actually going through it? Or was it something there, was there a turning point later on where you actually went through that process to reframe? Uh, absolutely, there was a process. Um, it was already bubbling in my late 20s, right, because uh, I, I ran away when I was like 16, 17, um, and I still held on to the story, of course. I always had drive. Um, drive is very important for mm. For entrepreneurship, I always had drive, but it was still the uh, it's the 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 the, the stage of development that I was at. Um, I hadn't become world centric yet, um, and so it was. Um, if you were to ask me about a turning point, there would have been two. One was, you know, as I was travelling the world, as I was uh, started working with other people, as I started socialising more, I just got really sick and tired of my stories. Mm. I got really sick and tired of the stories, the stories that I was telling myself, the stories I was telling other people. And um, it wasn't the story of... Um, please listen to me and how much of a victim I am. I was sick and tired of telling the story of, um, can I tell you my story so you can understand me? Uh, <laughs> I am so deep. You I need, need to, you to exactly. understand me. And I, I, you need to that, feel what I feel. Uh, it was, a, it, that was, it was like, man, I'm bored. Of, I'm really <laughs> bored of this story, you know, and, and how can we be, interesting people with interesting stories to tell if we don't start doing interesting things mm. right and so and then I started becoming quite the adventurer and traveling and living overseas and all of that because I wanted to start telling myself and telling other people different stories you know and and then of course um the big turning point was um, meeting Mark and wanting to have children. I, I, I knew that I was going to have a boy and a girl and they were going to be called Mia. And at the time it was Jet. I didn't, it wasn't Jet, it was Jet. And ever since I was 15, um, but when I, when I decided to have children at 32, it was like something snapped in my head that said, okay, it's not about you anymore, Pauline. It's, you need, it's, it's, it, it, it Suffering ceases to be suffering when you give it meaning. So you did all of this. It's now time to not pass on this trauma, to not pass on these stories to the next generation. 
And when we can get out of ourselves, like get over ourselves and start thinking about another, and that was uh, I'm going to have children. This, this has got to end. And so that was when the personal disruption really started. And, and you know, you've heard me say it a gazillion times, mm-hmm. personal development cannot happen unless personal disruption happens first. And we're not talking about personal innovation. We're talking about personal upheaval, personal mm-hmm. disruption. And it was that very deliberate decision, never underestimate the power of a decision. It was like, okay, this shit stops here. It stops yep. right here. I stopped partying overnight. I stopped smoking overnight. This is not about me anymore. It's about someone else now. That's so cool. I love that. And in terms of with that reframe then, how did that affect your relationship with your parents given the the upbringing that you had and that you did have to run away um, and, and hide out for a period of time? Yeah, look, that realisation came when I was just about to have a child, you know, and uh, the real reconciliation with my family, the true reconciliation came when I wrote my first book. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and so there were, it's a very beautiful journey from uh, writer to speaker to <laughs> to teacher to mentor. Uh, and and it's, it's um, I have a rule that I cannot teach unless I have direct experience of it. Because uh, people can smell a phony a mile away, and there are um, a lot of phonies out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, P, in terms of from being an entrepreneur, and obviously that spirit was driven through you and in you from the time you were very small. At what point did you? Was that the time that you started defining yourself more as a spiritual entrepreneur? And can you perhaps define that for the listeners in terms of what you mean by that? Because I, I obviously know what you mean by it, but I'd love you to share it with the listeners. Okay, so if if I were to um, give your listeners some sort of a timeline so that they can know where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, opened a restaurant called Red Lantern in 2002. And prior to that, you know, done all the partying, done all the drugs, done all the traveling, got that out of my system and uh, came back to Australia. I, I lived in Paris, London for a good five, six years, you know, um, was very, very naughty. Um, now, I'm only, now I'm only a little bit naughty, <laughs> sometimes a lot naughty. Yeah. <laughs> and so oh, it's, we a open- con- it's a constant education, our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that you do that as well, Pete. All right. Um, so uh, I, we, we opened a restaurant, Red Lantern, in 2002. It really quickly won awards, lots and lots of awards. Um, but we were sick because we didn't know how to work hard and work smart. We were mm. working 80, 90, 100-hour days and 100-hour uh, weeks and um, we were tired, tired, tired all the time, you know. And um, But the restaurant did well. We were getting all these accolades and um, realising that this is not sustainable. It's not sustainable at all. And during this time, um, I was approached to <coughs> by a woman who said, I would love to write your book for you. I would love to write the Red Lantern book for you and about your family life. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. And then the first thing that came to my head was, why don't I write my own book? <laughs> why am I getting someone else to write it? Well, you, you, know? do have a, you do have a degree in communication. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that, that, that little thing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, 
so I think back and I'm going to laugh at this story, laugh at myself and you'll have a good laugh. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. And it's like, oh, how hard can it be? Like, seriously, how hard can it be? And no, because I know I'm not, you know, I know the usual process is write a manuscript, spend years doing it, perfecting it. Then you give it to the publisher. It's like, no, I'm going to do it a different way. So uh, I wrote some sort of a plan, um, wrote maybe two chapters. Uh, actually, I think it was two paragraphs. And then... Um, and then I uh, said, oh, this is uh, what the book's going to be about. And, you know, the restaurant's already got accolades, so it's going to be a book with recipes, but I'm going to weave in personal stories because I grew up around food. I grew up with parents whose um, language of love was food. You know, um, the, that's how parents apologise with you know, cut fruit or, you know, uh, <laughs> caramelised fish. It was, it was cakes in my family. Yeah, look, I, 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 Asian parents don't say sorry. They don't say sorry. They no, give it food to and tea. In the food of, yeah, food and tea, you know. Um, and so I, so, you know, who's the best publishing house that does these sorts of lifestyle recipe books? And then I, I did a bit of research and at the time Murdoch Books was huge. They were huge. Any big name person went through Murdoch books and, you know, they wrote uh, cookbooks and gardening books. So I, I rang them and I said, hi, my name's Pauline. I'm from Red Lantern. I have a book idea. I'd love if I could have an opportunity to meet with um, whoever I need to meet with. I didn't even know what they call it. You know, it's called head pub. I know it's like a head publisher. Um, anyway, so, and like, yeah, cool. And uh, I was like, holy sheesh, I just got a meeting with books. And then I... Uh, like naively, but kind of, you know, what do I have to lose? Seriously. Mm. And I went in there, I got the meeting through a phone call and I said, you know, this is the plan. Here's a, an example of my writing and this is what the chapters are going to be and it's going to evolve. Blah, 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 blah. So kind of blagged it, but, you know, kind of not. And then um, the pub- head publisher at the time, a beautiful woman said, mm. oh, also I already knew which photographer I was going to have. Nice. And, and I want Alan Benson because his uh, photography is so honest, you know, it's not wanky, blah, 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 blah. They're done. And she said, it's going to be called Secrets of the Red Lantern. It's going to become an international success. And, yes, you can have Alan Benson. He is one of our photographers. Oh. Mm, I've yeah. never heard that story before. I've never heard you tell the story. I've never, I didn't realize that somebody had approached you wanting to write the book and that's what actually inspired you to. Because to, we, were, uh, we were to working, risk. we were working so hard. Who, who, who thinks about <laughs> writing a book when they're working like a dog for 100 hours a week? You know, we just want to sleep and maybe eat, you know. <laughs> you know and like, wait a minute, why are you writing my book? I write my own book. And then, um, and it was really beautiful experience um and Luke and Mark blessed them they realized the enormity of this um they gave me two years off uh, and I was caring for my firstborn at the time and um it was a very cathartic experience because I I wrote like full-time for two years while mm. Mark and Luke looked after the restaurant and I was a new mum at the time as well. Uh, so I wrote this, you know, in between breastfeeding and all that stuff and, and healing and all that stuff. And then um, it became an international bestseller. I won debut writer of the year for it. And seriously, no one was more shocked than myself. Um, and so on the back of the awards and the accolades and I realized, wow, I actually can touch people. And because I started getting letters and emails 
emails from people all around the world of how much they were affected by this book. Um, you know, um, uh, letters from uh, people who were also victims of domestic violence, uh, letters from people who uh, thought my father was a hero, uh, letters from Vietnam vets, uh, letters from children of survivors of the Holocaust because it's the same story, it's just a different war, you know. And that was when I was like, okay, maybe I do have some sort of a talent in writing. And that's when they pushed me, that is my publishers pushed me out to the writers' festivals. And uh, as I did that, I was like, are you guys going to train me? It's just like writing the book. Is anyone going to edit this to make me sound really intelligent? And I said, like, no, it's your voice. And so I still read that book and I still cringe a bit, but it's, it is what it is, right? And I won something for it, you know. And they said, no, we, we want you to just do you. And so as I was uh, on the Writers' Festival circuit, you know, I, I went overseas, and it, it was it was big. They really pushed me out there, and the book did so well. Um, and there were moments when I would be paralyzed. I would be frozen on stage. Uh, the words would not come out. I would be on the verge of crying because I hadn't dealt with the trauma. I hadn't dealt with the trauma of my childhood. Mm. I had buried it so deep. It was buried somatically. What I had done was to write the words, that was when I was uh, expressing it semantically, mm. right? But talk therapy alone can't really heal deep wounds. And so that's when I started really, um, one, understanding that I needed to deal with this on a somatic level of the body, of the body and under, and then I made the decision that I'm never, I never want to lose control like this again. I want to get masterful. I want to get skillful. And that's when I started um, learning from speaking coaches and masters all around the world who are now my friends. Mm -hmm. And so that was when, yeah, I, I was able, it was a catharsis. I was able to heal myself with the semantic. Now I've got to deal with the somatic. Where are my traumas buried how can I release them? What can I do with breath work to be better on stage? What can I do with breath work to be more intelligent in my thinking, in my speaking, in my healing? And so in the process of all of this, I was able to heal myself as well as um, um, strive for mastery in some way. And when, when you are able to heal yourself with words and with uh, actions of the body and understanding how all that works, I was pushed towards the spirituality side uh, mm. with the shamanic practices. And this is how uh, it, it evolved, you see. And so now I'm playing in uh, other realms and other dimensions, but always with one foot in this 3D entrepreneurial world and also another foot in the spirit world. And that's how it came about to write the way of the spiritual entrepreneur, the seven secrets to becoming fearless, stress-free and unshakable in business and in life. And um, again, the universe uh, uh, allowed me to win an award for that, the um, Business and Entrepreneurship Book of the Year, the um, Business Book Awards. It's because this is what people want to read. This is what they want to hear. This is what's so relevant for this time. And so with that book, it was because of exp direct experience, I know how she it can be to be an entrepreneur working your ass off with no fulfillment. Mm. 
Mm. You know, I know what it means to be so traumatized with the old stories, with the old wounds, but I know how to have got myself out of it as well. And I know the absolute benefits of being spiritual. What does it mean to be spiritual? It means to live your life in spirit and inspired to do your best work. Spirituality has nothing to do with religion. It's religion that needs spirituality. Spirituality doesn't need religion. Spirituality is simply physics that has yet to be explained. Physics means there's always science and spirituality, science and spirituality, science. And, there is always a scientific explanation behind it, right? It's even quantum physics, you know? And mm. so um, this is why then uh, happiness alone ain't going to solve your business problems. It's fearlessness, stress-freeness, unshakability are much more powerful orientations. And so that's when I can combine the semantic, the somatic and the soulmatic in my teachings and get really, really fast results. So I hope that answers your question by giving the, the journey in, in a um, sequential order. Oh, it absolutely does. I, as always, I get a little bit mesmerised when you start telling those stories, people, because they're so inspirational. And I love, there are a couple of things that I really love in in that whole journey and that timeline is number one is that really the starting point when you wrote the book, which, um, and you know this story, listeners might not, but part of my introduction to you was that Luke actually signed that book for me and my second visit to Red Lantern back many, many years ago. And I didn't actually realise it was your book until we met a couple of years later. So, um, and, oh, then, and then to, and then to get, get him back, you signed one of his cookbooks for me for one of my birthday presents along the way. So yes. I, have, <laughs> I have a Luke Nguyen book that's signed by Pauline and I have a Pauline Nguyen book that's signed by Luke. I'm not sure too many, <laughs> not sure too many people have that particular combination. I'll dine, I'll dine out on that one. Because um, you're special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Um, one of the things that I, I loved with, with the starting point with that book is you've walked into a publisher's and you're going, what the hell have I got to lose? Like, and, and I, I know that you're saying you're unprepared. I'm sure there was some preparation involved because I know you too well to have walked in completely uh, with a whimsical attitude to it. But I love that is, and, and how often do we do that as entrepreneurs going, well, what the hell have I got to lose? Um, I really love that. And also the fact that there's a lot of people that have financial success, but their their fulfillment is, is lacking and, and they're looking for something else. And uh, if it's where it's so powerful when we start moving into in, being in spirit and enjoy, because then you're looking for that fulfillment in more often than not healthy ways for you versus looking for fulfillment in ways that perhaps will be detrimental to you. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, what, what, what is it about an entrepreneur? It is in our DNA. It's almost like we have the alarm bells or, or a beacon that says, is there a problem? Oh, let us solve it. You know, I just want to, let's, let's fix it. Hey, who do I know? Who do I know? Let's fix it fast. You know, that's what we do. We find, we find it, you know, there's always a, a need or, or a lack or, or something. I used to create yeah. them so I could. How, how, yeah, yeah. How, how can I fix it? But then um, um, to, to be a spiritual entrepreneur, we understand that there's a bigger message at play there's there's something bigger than us there's there's humanity to push forward there's people to assist in their healing there's there's people who need more joy there's just always a bigger picture and so you know I know so many really wealthy people who are spiritually bankrupt you know mm. and they're full of disease and they're diseased and and then I, I know so many like spiritual almost hippie woo-woo people who have no money and so it's that beautiful um, understanding that if we want to play our part in this world, we have to be um, commercially savvy because if you don't have the money, how can you 
do your part in this world by changing in that big way. So it's, um, they do go absolutely hand in hand. I love it. I very much love it. Now, in terms of you, we've had such a beautiful journey of, of your story. In terms of an ideal day, because your day is a bit different than a lot of people's day, P. Um, but I'd love you to share that with the listeners in terms of what time does it start? What does a, a utopic day look like for you if it runs according to plan? Um, because one of the premises of this particular interview series is to see if there's common themes, whether all the successful in spirit uh, and aligned people and successful humans that I'm speaking to, whether they have similar traits throughout the day. So what does a normal day look like for you? And you're talking about a regular day, right? You're not talking that I'm sitting in the Bahamas, like no, drinking no, bronies, well, getting, getting massages. <laughs> no, a, a, re- a regular in inverted that's commas. that's a pretty <laughs> ideal day, man. <laughs> well, won't it be ideal when we can actually leave Australia again? But I think, I think, that's, I think that's a pipe dream right now. <laughs> that's, that's definitely doing some timeline jumping. But um, in terms of a utopic normal day today, that includes some work and kids and and normal yeah, yeah. your your regular responsibilities uh as as being a mum and a business owner and a, a mentor and a coach and all of the other amazing things that you do yeah um someone asked me the other day um have you had career changes I said no I've had career evolutions and revolutions you know right. and and then I and then it's the uh, creation of the ecosystem yeah, and that's what I have, that's an ecosystem. And so I'm definitely a morning person, a morning person being that that's when I'm the most active, productive, energised. And um, 4.30 is when I usually rise, although for the last month as an experiment and also because I've got a lot more to create, um, I've been getting up at 3 a.m. Mm. and it's hasn't really made a difference except that I've got more time and what I mean but it hasn't made a difference the experiment is to see if I'll get tired earlier or if my energy levels are away no it's been fine um so I wake up as peaceful and gently as possible Uh, and when I do I spend time in my bed appreciating how beautiful my sheets are how comfortable my bed is how it feels on my skin so being tapping into the awareness of all my senses Mm-hmm. And I, I actually lay in bed for a little while and rehearse my behaviors for the day. Uh, there was a time when I visualized my day, but I would prefer to rehearse my behaviors than now. So if I were, if I knew that I was going to be on this podcast with you, uh, what do I, what do I want to feel? I want to feel playful today. You know, it's it's a playful experience being with you on a podcast. We we muck around most of the time, you know. And so my my behaviors, uh, I coached a, a client, um, a, a famous film producer on the cliffs of Clavelli this morning. You know, rehearsing my behaviors. Uh, what what sort of energy does she need? How and it's that. And so um, if I were to have a very serious meeting with. Uh, some of board members today what 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 would my behavior be if there was to be a difficult conversation that sort of thing right and so um uh, and then after that is a, a manifestation meditation and prayer I do this still in my bed uh, and then I wake up and I dry brush my body with a very hard brush to uh, we've been laying down for you know what four five six hours and so I dry brush to activate the lymphatic system to um um, make my my body feel alive and then I jump into a cold shower um, the sh- cold shower is probably about five seven minutes um, to absolutely wake me up and that's followed by a bulletproof coffee 
And that's when I look at my diary, what I need to do for the day. And then I'm out the door. Uh, actually, before I do that, I make my kids my, my, their, their lunch for school. And then I leave it there. I then meet the sunrise either with my client or myself. Uh, after sunrise, uh, there's yoga, breath work, meditation, and a swim. And then I'm pretty much back by uh, 9 Today was a bit later, 9, 9.30 or so, and that's when I, I start my day. So starting my day is work, work, uh, emails, creation, uh, phone calls, collaborations. Um, and if it wasn't so busy, my ideal day would also be reading all day, learning all day. I'd be uh, uh, having a, a quick lunch or something with a friend or having a conversation with a lover, uh, spending time with my kids for, for dinner perhaps, go for a walk in the afternoon at sunset with my dog. And um, when we are able to meet each other again, it's a dinner with friends, laughter, mm -hmm. good food, elated conversation. And I always like to have eat early and, and sleep early. That would be mm -hmm. an ideal regular day. I love the sound of that day. And one of the things yeah. that we often talk about, P, and I think it's a good thing to highlight is all of those activities we consider to be part of the work. Some people might be going, oh, well, so you went and exercised and then you breathed and then you did this and you did that, et cetera. But it's all part of your ecosystem that you're evolving over time. Is that fair yeah. to say? No, absolutely. Absolutely. When I get up early, that's working. That's my work. I am working on myself because what more intimate relationship do we have than with the relationship with ourselves, right? Mm. And so if I am to be an indweller, to look after my own inner net and that constant check-in, you know, if my body is the instrument of consciousness, if my body is what's going to allow me to be the vehicle, the battery, the engine for the day, why wouldn't I treat it the way I do every day? Why wouldn't I wake up peacefully? Why wouldn't I rehearse my behaviours for the day? Why wouldn't I dry brush and cold shower and, and do the yoga and the breath work? And the med this, is, this is mastery. Mm. This is self-mastery. This is so that I am in spirit and inspired to do my best work. And then going out and there's a, obviously there's a whole science behind all of these things that your listeners can go and do, you know, research as much as they want. Mm. Um, the benefits of, of sunrise, I want to live a long life. I want to be vital. I want to be able to heal myself from the inside out and make sure that my mitochondria doesn't deplete over the years. You know, I, I want to be as mobile and agile and flexible and strong as possible. You know, they say if you do yoga three times a, a week, um, your body will change. If you do yoga every single day, your life will change. Mm. Right. And so if we understand that breath work, right. And, and people say, yeah, but I breathe. Yeah. You breathe by <laughs> default. You breathe yeah. by default. And so do, do you like, do you like the way your body's in? Yeah. Well, your body is by default, you know? And so if we understand that we have three intelligences, our gut intelligence, our heart intelligence, and our mind intelligence, what is the one thing that connects all three intelligences that we can access deliberate our breath? Mm. our breath. And so we breathe, what, 25,000 times a day, right? And if it, and so many people are breathing suboptimately or just straight up incorrectly and they don't even know it. And so when we don't breathe properly, it's the respiratory equivalent of, taking, of eating 
uh, junk food, right? And, and mm. you're not eating, only eating junk food once, twice. It's like, you know, 25,000 times a day, right? And so when we, and I, that's the breath practice so that I am, I don't have the brain fog so that I'm absolutely aligned so that I'm absolutely uh, with clarity and vibrating high, high and meditation. It's to become familiar with yourself. What are my thoughts today? What do I need to manifest today? So we don't ever meditate to Zen or bliss out. We meditate to create and, um, manifest to make our dreams come true and then jumping into the ocean you know salt water is our greatest faraday cage and coming out to so i've done all that work in the morning how about i now just absolutely energize my body so that it is electrified for the rest of the day and this is why my clients um uh, get such fast results because it's all a scientific process right of the body Absolutely. Of the body. Yeah. And I love and I love that, uh, number one, we all start looking younger when we start doing this. And it's so amazing. And, and I'm sure you will find humour in it the number of times. So we will often, listeners, we'll often do these practices together, not every day, but we'll catch up with our inner circle that we're a part of. And uh, the number of people that actually thought my new girlfriends were in photos with me uh, was hysterical because we've just activated their dear friends who all happen to be straight. Um, but because we're hugging each other, we're so activated. A lot of people aren't actually um, familiar with seeing people that are vibrating that highly. Now, it's vitality. Yeah. It's vitality. It's not just health, it's vitality, you know, and our skin's better, our breath's better, um, our uh, hair, everything is, it's because we're accessing nature's medicine. Mm. She's free. She's free. You know, I, I was asked in another podcast, what is, your, uh, what is the one skin regime or one skin product you, you cannot live without? It's like the sunrise. Yeah. That's why we look so amazing. I'm really 95. <laughs> <laughs> the sunrise, the, the, the salt water, the fresh air. You look good for 95. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? You look, you look pretty, pretty bloody good. For what is the official age at the moment, 47 or 48? Which one are we? 48. Aiming? 48. 48. I'm 48. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as you know. But we um, all, we, we, you know, and it's very quick. Mm-hmm. I always say to my clients, take a snapshot of mm-hmm. where you're at now because in a few months' time you're going to be a different person. Oh, 100%. And I know that, uh, and as you saw develop over the last 12 months, is that I was having a, a few different skin issues, which was uh, the uh, reaction of my body to a long-term period of stress that I'd been under and the difference of actually being very diligent with my sunrise uh, yeah. and swimming practice and meditation and breath work, the shift in my skin over what a month was was phenomenal. Um, yeah. it, is, it is super fast and I was putting zero onto my skin because at that point anything I put onto my skin actually inflamed it more. So yeah. that was just sun and salt water. And, and, and please don't underestimate how much those practices are um, preparing you and supporting you for this very important time in your life, Doc. Absolutely, P, 100%. It, uh, I definitely, I think this is where when we start talking about what helps us stay aligned, it's, it's, it doesn't mean that there's not shit that doesn't happen in our life. There's lots yep. of different stressors that might be around us, but it, show, it, it allows us to show up in a different way and also then not only how we show up but also how we adapt to it as well and how we come out the other side. Yeah, because alignment is congruence, right? That's what it is. It's congruence. Mm. Um, we've got to walk the walk. As leaders, we must lead by example because people are watching, our children are watching, our clients are watching, our staff are watching, our bosses are watching, right? And so it's that um, sense of um, am I in alignment because incongruence is the greatest cause of dis-ease and disease. 
Mm. Right? You've got to, you, we've got to be in congruence with ourselves. And, and, con- and congruence is very much about, you know, living your truth, speak your truth, be okay with people not being okay with your truth, be okay with people not being okay. As long as your intentions are real, they're not hurting anyone, they're full of love and purpose, but it is your truth. And I think whilst we could talk forever, P, I think that is a beautiful spot to bring us to our top five for today. I've I've got so much gold out of today and I'm sure the listeners have as well. Thank you for, for sharing and sharing stories too that I haven't heard before. I always love it on these. These interview series are, are bringing out some stories that I've never heard from from people before who I, I know quite well. And so it's, it's awesome to get a chance mm-hmm. to hear those stories and to also record them as well. So before we go today, as we always do, uh, and Adeline Dew, particularly when we have a guest, is to finish off with your top five, which you have had a chance to prepare for. What, uh, what music or song is on high rotation at the moment, Pete? I'm, I'm currently listening, singing and dancing to Vans Joy a lot. Uh, uh, I'm with you, Fire in the Flood, Straight Into Your Arms, Messes Mine, Georgia, Riptide. He's, 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 very, he, he's got a huge range and he's very handsome. Yes, I was going to say, was that for the music or for his handsomeness or a combination of both? Because you know how I'm not detail-oriented. I was like, oh, what are you listening to? And my, my, my son who's 10 is like, what are you listening to? Oh, Vince J. Mom, it's Vance Joy. <laughs> it's Vance Joy. Okay. Thank, thank L- God for Jethro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he comes in handy. What yeah. are you reading at the moment or how many books have you got on the go? Uh, three. Um, in preparation for the next book that I'm writing, I'm reading or getting um, – uh, deep into becoming more masterful at interviewing. So I'm reading the interview book by James Innes, um, The Definitive Guide to the Perfect Interview. Uh, I'm reading Emotions Revealed by Paul Ekman. It's uh, face reading and cool. understanding or getting snapshots of uh different faces and what they mean uh and then like something completely woo is the lineage of the codes of light by jesse e ayani it's a classic cool okay i've just got my next reading list that's awesome um what have you done this week that might be a bit different to usual that uh has helped you stay aligned or to decompress has it all been your usual practices or has there been something a little bit left of center for you that has helped i am um a experimenting with a new practitioner to see if his methods work in order to invite him into my group of practitioners uh-huh. that I can delegate uh, healings because I don't I'm not I'm not that person that goes studies every modality I just want to stay aligned in my genius Mm. and so this particular modality um, requires a different combination of the exercise that I do so what I've been doing uh, in the last two weeks has been um, extending me time to three hours so I run from Bondi to Clovelly Mm. it's a long run and then run and so that uh, the coastal run around there. So I run for the, the coastal run from Bondi to Clovelly and then I do my yoga on the cliffs of Clovelly, uh, meditation and then the swim and then I either run or power walk back. The I guess the, the, the decompression part is usually if I run or walk anywhere for, of that distance, I would have some sort of an audible book or so, I'm learning something in my ears as I'm, as I'm walking. Um, but the discipline is that <laughs> it's just music. Ah, 
it's, you have to not learn. I have oh, to I not, I have to, I, I'm struggling. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm all for music in my ears and not learning in those yeah. moments, but I know you, we are very opposite like that. <laughs> yeah, and so it's the complete shut off. Um, cool. and, and so it's the, and, and it works better because as I used to do it with the learning, you know, I'd stop to take notes, you know, I'd stop to put it in, I'd stop to put in Evernote. <laughs> It becomes interval training, then P, not a long run. That's right. But there's three hours now of, of just, yeah. Wow, of just music. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see how that experiment ends up. Um, what is uh, your favourite quote at the moment? So I've been um, taking or, or taking on the journey, as you know, I, I've had to pivot since COVID and I'm uh, facilitating a number of online groups. Mm. Um, and I, I wrote something a little while ago, which has been repeated with to these groups, very um, relevant to this current time. The majority of people are not willing to risk what they have built for. I'm sorry, let me start again. The majority of people are not willing to risk what they have built for the opportunity to have something better. Mm. Security doesn't rob you of ambition. The illusion of security robs you of ambition. Mm. Crisis doesn't change people. It reveals them. How you do crisis is how you do life. If you don't come out of this with a new skill, a new side hustle, a better perspective, a new knowledge, a new wisdom, then you didn't lack time. You lack discipline. I love that. And I love that altogether. I've heard different parts of that. Uh, and uh, particularly how, how we reveal ourselves in crisis. It, uh, it resonates very strongly for me. Oh, I, I will be uh, record, listening back to that recording and uh, making that a, a sign for my fridge, that one. Final thought for the listeners, P? Mm, it's probably going to be a polarising one, but that's how I Go remember. for it. <laughs> <laughs> expect nothing less, P. Did you see the Studio Ted interview with Jethro? Radi- radical sh- parenting. Oh, <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, uh, okay, here's, here's the final thought for listeners. Procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. Procrastination is basically telling yourself, I will be worthy of a better life tomorrow. Mm. That's big. I love it, P. And I love you. I have so much love and gratitude for you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, as, as always, any time we get to spend together is an absolute blessing and a joy. So thank you so much. The joy is mine and the gratitude is mine. Thank you, my friend. Oh, you're most welcome. And so thanks again, P. And that's it for today's episode of Lined You Listeners. Bye for now and I'll catch you next time. And that's it for today's episode of Lined You Listeners. Remember to hit the five-star ratings and share today's episode with your friends. And be sure to join our collective on Facebook and Instagram at Aligned You. Look forward to catching you next time. The information shared on Aligned You podcast is of general nature and for information purposes only. It is not specific medical or personal advice. You should seek assistance from your healthcare practitioner for your individual circumstances. Any information provided doesn't imply endorsement or third-party devices or products and cannot provide you with health and medical advice.